right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here in the backyard of Justin Bukowski here in Vancouver, Washington, with a few of my NASCAR friends here. We all just watched the Portland Grand Prix uh, a few miles away. Then we came to Vancouver, and now we watched the Darlington race on a patio, and we had some barbecue and some potato salad and some collard greens and some other people had drinks. I didn't. I didn't. I was working. I'm on the clock. Yes, yeah, Shannon says. Um, but so we're going to try to do a little bit of a different podcast uh, for the post race today. Um, I recorded a IndyCar segment at the track with Christopher DeHardy. And so I will tack that on to the end of this one. But uh, we will start with Darlington since that's the most recent one. I'm just going to walk around here as everybody's now awkwardly looking at me. <laughs> Uh, we, it was a nice conversation going and now everybody's awkwardly looking at me. And so I'm going to make, uh, other people feel awkward as well. So, uh, let's just start with the host here, Justin Bukowski, who, um, he, he's holding up a giant check for some reason. Don't know what this is about. No, we'll get to that later. Um, so Justin, uh, you watched the race with, along with all of us. Um, one of the big three did not win. Did that surprise you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, actually, 100%. Um, so, you know, I mean, there, there's no doubt that there's a huge gap between the, that group. So the, the interesting thing for me in this race was that there's Kyle Larson has been on the outside edge all along, right? And he, he kind of dominated this race. But, man, when is that guy going to close the deal? Like, I mean, there's been an opportunity for him. He was dominant in this race. There's, it's clear that he's probably one of the top two or three talents as far as driving a car in NASCAR, and he can't close the deal. Is that his team? Is that him? Is it mentality? What is it? I don't get it, right? So um, it's a real challenge for me, right? So it wasn't. it was kind of a surprise to not have the big three. It was not a surprise that Kyle Larson gave it away again. And that's sad because, like, I'm that guy's talent is like transcendent, right? It beyond, like, I think that guy could go and race in Formula One. I think he could race in IndyCar and do well. Uh, Why can't he close the deal in NASCAR? Well, it seemed like um, he politely, well, he he, he didn't really even go there, but. Um, tonight it was his pit crew really, because he indicated that once he got in traffic, he couldn't do anything with his car and he was leading in clean air. I mean, I don't know. See, it's, it's always tough to judge clean air cause they're in lap traffic at some point too. So I don't really know, but, um, you know, it's, it seems like overall Larson, this was going to be Larson's night. It was going to be his race. He was going to break out first win of the season. It didn't happen. Russell Solberg, uh, were you surprised at how, this unfolded um were you thinking that larson is going to run away with it at, at some point i mean it certainly dominated it looked like most of the race so i mean him being up front at the end was no surprise uh obviously losing track positions he said was a big problem for him i'm just glad it wasn't one of the big three and we have a chevy running up front for a parody in nascar i thought that was great so um russell like at this point are you thinking that one of these guys who ran well tonight in the top three, whether it's Kozlowski, Logano, or Larson, could challenge the big three? Like, do they have momentum, or is this just, like, a, a different kind of race? 
my guess is this is a little bit of a different kind of race. I would say as the season goes on, though, with that point lead that those three cars have over everybody else, it'll really come down to you know the probably the third round as to who gets a win to kind of sneak past the guys with the points lead. So, um, you know, I, I guess my thought is like Keselowski. I, I haven't really seen enough out of him yet to um, like declare him just off one race um, like a championship contender all of a sudden, even though we've been wondering who the fourth of the big three is going to be all year. And same with Logano, even Penske runs one, two tonight. So let's go to a guy wearing a team Penske hat and a team Penske shirt. It's Jeff Verga from Virginia. Jeff, uh, you had to be happy tonight. Um, So what's your impression? Are, Are they contenders now? I don't think so just yet. I mean, we, the talk about the big three, they're still so far ahead of anybody. I mean, you look at Keselowski now has a win. Logano has a win. Um, Boyer has two. Uh, Kurt Busch has one. And then there's been some other fluke winners throughout the season. There really isn't any fourth challenger that has shown that they can consistently run up front with Truex, uh, Kyle Busch, and um, Kevin Harvick. So I don't I don't think they're there just yet. And with the way the playoffs will happen, who knows what can happen in the first two rounds and where any of these drivers will end up. If one of them gets to Homestead, do you think there's a shot that like a Keselowski could go and pull off an upset and end up winning the championship, even though he hasn't really been up there all year till now? It's very possible. Um, it it kind of depends on the mix of those four drivers. If you know he's going up against the big three, unless something crazy happens, I don't think they have enough yet. Um, but if a combination of those big three don't make it to the final four in Homestead, he very well certainly could, or, you know, even Logano or, you know, even one of those other drivers that has won a race or even someone who hasn't could very well have a very good race and end up winning a championship. One of my favorite names to say, uh, when I see her name pop up on Facebook and things like that as Shannon McMinnie, did I say that right, Shannon? Yes, indeed. Shannon Marie McMinnamy. So, Shannon, um, what did you think of the race tonight? And did you think that, um, like, Brad Kozlowski is someone to be reckoned with now? Or was this just sort of a one-off situation? I worry that it was a one-off situation, that we're going to continue to see dominance by the same set of drivers. It was good to see Logano up there running and contending. It was great to see Larson up there running and and contending. I agree with Russell that he is a phenomenal driver and it is deeply concerning that he's not able to close it and bring it in at the end. Uh, That makes you definitely worry about the playoffs and whether or not he has something to bring against somebody like Kevin Harvick, who's known as being the closer. Um, What did you think of that wreck that we saw earlier? Um, I don't know if you if you have any takes on this, but um, it looked like Ryan Newman basically stopped right in the middle of the track and Clint Boyer wrecked into him. Um, th- what was your impression of that? Well, I'm deeply fascinated to hear exactly how his spotter explains what was going on because from what you could see on Twitter that potentially Spotter Brett was having some chit-chat in the background and I'd love to know what exactly was going on. I enjoy uh, Door Bumper Clear, so hearing what he has to say about exactly what was going on when he was uh, not necessarily giving his driver the information about what was happening around him will be deeply interesting. They're always good for radio. They're always an entertaining channel to listen to, so... We'll find out, I guess, really soon. Yeah, I'm also very interested to hear what happens on, on Door Bumper Clear. Let's go over here to Brian. Um, you came all the way from Indiana. 
um, and watch the race with us. Any thoughts on, on the race or uh, general takes on what happened tonight? I mean, overall, I think the race was another one of those ho-hum uh, endings. Um, hopefully, we're going to see some uh, things change up uh, here uh, as the season gets going. But um, is this throwback weekend going to be the only um, the new paint schemes and all of the, the buzz of those, is that going to be what we take away as opposed to the racing? Um, and what does that do for NASCAR? Is that good for, you know, a week's worth of publicity or is that something that we can grow on and, and continue from there? Well, yeah, it's a fair point. Cause although, um, there turned out to be a lead change at the end due to a pit stop, um, under the last caution, it wasn't something that happened on the track. You didn't have like some sort of thrilling uh, last lap pass or anything like that. And for most of the the race up to that point, uh, I'm not sure how many of us were completely paying attention because we were chit-chatting as Kyle Larson was building up a major lead and dominating the race. So, but I don't know. At the same time, do you expect more out of the Southern 500? I don't don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't know. I know we were chatting uh, and it was right when you tweeted, oh my gosh, is this a 13 second lead? Um, and you know, I kind of posed, uh, if we got rid of the stages and went full bone throwback, could he have lapped the field? I mean, I think for us that could have been, you know, a different realm to see, but, um, you know, obviously it's the racing that we have right now and, uh, hopefully we can maybe get a little more excitement at the next one. Okay. Justin has uh, another take here. So we all went to the Portland Grand Prix today, right? Road course race, uh, hasn't been back in a long time. So here's my take, right? Like, um, it was, you know, when, when you looked at that Portland, the Grand Prix race, there was passing, overtaking, there was a lot of aggressive driving. You felt like people were really going for it. Um, we sat around here tonight and had barbecue, right? And it was enjoyable. I hope everybody had a good time. I mean, yeah. So, but I, I feel like, it was more about the socializing and the race happened to be on. But when I was at the Portland Grand Prix and I saw that road course racing, uh, I mean, that was exciting. Like I didn't have any moment in time when I didn't feel like it was exciting. And I kind of feel like NASCAR has got to go back to that, right? That road course, that short track, right? I mean, the con, the contract, the con- getting some cheers here in the background if people can't hear it. The con- the contrast that we had today, like that was it. The the juxtaposition between the two races today for me was huge, right? Because, you know, I, look, it's not fair. I watched one on TV and I watched one in, in person. And the feel of the cars, the feel, you know, you can feel the motor and, you know, you, you like it's – I'm, I'm going to like I, 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 I can I can hear Dave Moody right now like challenging me on what I'm saying right now. Yeah, it's not the same thing when you're in person and, and when it's on TV. What I'll tell you is, is that like there was drama in that Portland GP. There was the race. There was the strategy. There was all of these things that's going on. And you know what? I get all of that strategy when it happens on a road course in NASCAR. I get it when it happens in a short track in NASCAR. I don't get it on I mean I you know I love Darlington I love the history I love that you know I'm sitting here right now as we're doing this interview and I'm watching you know a throwback car on the TV that's not enough right like I I need I need really interesting racing and I got that today live at the Portland Grand Prix I didn't get so much of that on Darlington I want to get that at Darlington and and I get it 
Darlington used to be won like by, you know, someone was like five cars on the lead lap, right? You know, people were 15 laps down. But look, NASCAR, if you, if you listen to this podcast. I don't think they do. Steve O'Donnell, I know you listen to this. I know you give Jeff like at least $5 a month. I know you do. You said you do. Please, please. Short tracks. Road courses, please. I, I, I don't think that they listen to this. Definitely Steve O'Donnell doesn't listen to this. I think he has. I, I think he actually has me muted on Twitter or something. Because, um, but I, I will say though that that counterpoint to what Justin said, and I, I agree with most of that. But um, counterpoint. Oh, the the rest of them are running for me. Uh, oh, Valdez, do you want to? Uh, here's my counterpoint. Um, there's a couple races a year, like the Coke 600 and this race, where this is perfect for like backyard barbecue, half paying attention races where it's long races and you're just kind of like, I don't know, you're kind of chilling and you don't need to pay attention. Like if you shorten Darlington, for instance, it wouldn't be the same tradition and you've got to keep some tradition. Other races, Texas, 500 miles shorten this race. I mean, yeah, it was kind of long and boring, but it also gave us a chance to hang out as friends and watch a race. And we paid mostly attention to it. I don't know. What do you think? Is that what the sponsors want? It's for us to pay mostly attention to it? I don't know. They want to see good competitive racing so that we're glued to our seats the entire time, even when their commercials are on. They probably want you to be drinking beer while you're watching it in some capacity. Apparently this week. Yeah, yeah. But that's the drink for this week. So I don't know. I, I want to see a good race every race. Okay. When it's boring and we're, or when the race is not pulling our attention, then it probably needs to have some change. Okay. So wait, so is that, was there other people running? Kate and Brian, you're, Kate, you're running? Okay. okay, you're good. All right, well, now um, because we have all assembled here as a group and given our collective takes, we also have to come up with a, uh, well, actually, you have to come up with the prediction for the Was It a Good Race poll because I have to come up with my own. You guys have to come up as a group. So why don't you guys huddle up over there? while I kill time and talk about my prediction for this race. Okay, so here's my reasoning on this. I'm going to say that it was mostly a boring race. However, there was some different names up there. Kyle Larson isn't, wasn't Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch dominating, so that's got to play into it. And then you had a different winner, Brad Kozlowski, who hasn't won all year. You had the throwbacks going on. Uh, I think people maybe like the NBC booth. Um, so I don't know. I think that I, I could be way off here, but I think I'm just going to throw out a 70%. Oh, that may be too high. I, oh, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You guys are all looking at me completely shocked. You know, here's, here's the other thing too. One thing that you guys have to know about this, about the, was it a good race poll is I, I typically on Twitter, every second during the race and I wasn't tonight I'm typically seeing people's reactions enough like their replies to get a feel for it and I kind of cheat that way because I'm like reading every single person's reply being like this is boring or not I lost my feel for this because I didn't really pay attention to Twitter because we were all hanging out so I don't know you guys feel like I may have gone too high but I'm going to say 70% who's the spokesman for the group Shannon what has the group decided for your prediction for the poll we have gone with a 43%. Oh, yeah. It is exceedingly low, 
only won by the throwback value of things like the Ernie Irvin, yes. Steve Park. Yes. We yeah. liked the Ernie Irvin and Steve Park throwback yeah. schemes. We like seeing some different names up front. Kyle Larson, though, we are all disappointed with the lack of closure. It was nice to see Brad Kozlowski win, if only not for being the same person, but otherwise relatively boring. Okay. 43% versus 70%. It's a big gap in there to land. I, I'm really doubting myself now, and I feel like I should have just gone closer to 50 or something at least. But, but we had a lot of fun with each other. Uh, we had a lot of fun with each other. I yeah. highly encourage the uh, Jeff Gluck patronage group. The Gluckers have made racing more fun for a lot of each other by watching races virtually in the Twitter group. And I think tonight having the opportunity to hang out with some of the people that we've talked with was pretty fantastic. Getting to interact with you was pretty fantastic. We all had a lot of us had the opportunity to go to the Grand Prix and had some pretty uh, amazing times getting to get to know the people that we've met online in person. Of course, we also managed to surprise you tonight, Jeff, which was months in the planning and we're all really proud of ourselves last night so if you want us to explain that we're then more than happy to do so yeah don't edit that out Jeff. oh justin's <laughs> saying to don't edit this out so, so, so okay justin's okay one more take on this look so here's the thing at the end of the day good race bad race we had a great time together we came together around the race. So whether it was a good race or a bad race, whether it was like 40% good race or not, at the heart of NASCAR and the heart of racing, I met a bunch of like a bunch of people came over to my house today that I've never met before, and we had a great time, right? And so whether it was a good race or a bad race, I think that's the answer, right? Like you have to, you know, and um, my friend Justin and I, well, the other Justin, uh, so we walked around the race course today at Portland Grand Prix. And what, what we talked about was the socialization, the RVs that they had there, like the cool stuff that was going on. And so, yeah, okay. Darlington was not the great race. It wasn't on TV because that's the only perspective that we got, but we came together here. We had a great barbecue. We had a good time. We socialized around that. The only thing I would say is like NASCAR's just got to work on the show a little bit so that the engagement level when we're not there, right? We know that when you're actually there, it's a hundred times better. You're getting a lot of head nods and preaching over here. Yeah, but look, hey, look, I get it. It's not the same thing as when you're on the track, but we live like we live so far away from the opportunity to actually go and see NASCAR. So most of the people here, there's a few people here from Virginia and other places, but at the end of the day, we live so far away from the opportunity to actually experience NASCAR in person. Like just, you know, we need a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. Just, it's not a lot, just a little bit of difference so that we can, like when we're having our party, we're not so much engaged in each other, we're actually engaged in the racing today. We enjoyed each other. We didn't enjoy the racing so much. Understood. Yeah. Except for the restarts that got everybody's attention and a big wreck and stuff like that. It was kind of like everybody was doing their own thing and we watched the finish and last 20 laps or so. And that was it. Yeah. Um, yes. As Shannon mentioned, I, I'm sure people are confused. Uh, I'll, I'll briefly talk about it now. Uh, this won't be my like final thing on it. Cause I, 
I'll explain later on, on Twitter. I'm not embarrassed. I just, uh, I'm ex- extremely like self promotion. <laughs> I'm very humbled by what happened here tonight. I was very blindsided by the appearance of a large check that is going to be um, for, yes, a literally large check, which with not only an oversized, but also with large sum of money on it that's been crossed out several times already. Um, to Sarah and I for uh, Baby G College Fund. So, <laughs> everybody, uh, apparently this has been in the works since May. May, you guys said. Sneaky, sneaky people. And I, <laughs> it was an ambush, a we planned know, ambush. Can we talk about why? So, for those of us who or- organized it, and Justin, who managed to pull it off despite not being on Facebook, which is quite impressive, uh, a lot of us became patrons and have continued to be very loyal for the community that has kind of grown from this, and also for Jeff's independent journalism and his ability to really do in-depth, interesting, fascinating pieces and to speak his mind and uh, in we recognize that in allowing his wife to pursue her passion and to which is really a worthy passion of helping kids and families, that it meant giving up things like traditional access to pensions and the ability to be donating to college funds. So we got together and started giving cryptic messages to each other and started a college fund for baby Gluck that uh, we hope will allow for her to go to a college of her choice. As of this exact moment, it's five. $5,569. Unbelievable. And it's not closed. DM me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So we have decided to keep it open until shortly after baby Gluck's birth, at which point we will transfer the money to Jeff and, Sh- and Sarah so that they can plan for it moving forward. It was very important for us to really be a community that supported the fact that Jeff made a great choice to support his family and put his family first. And we enjoy the coverage he provides for us, the community he provides for us. Personally, for me, it's re-engaged me with racing because even on the weekends where the races aren't so interesting, I get to interact with really fantastic people. And so we are deeply, deeply happy to have this gesture to allow him to know that he's done the right thing and that we're all here behind him. And so Sarah is at work now doing great work for kids and families. So she'll be deeply stunned when she hears about this, but it is not closed. And if you're interested and you are not yet a patron, and Jeff has no idea that I'm saying this. He just stuck the microphone in my mouth so I get to say it. Join. Join. Uh, you will find the link in our patron group. Uh, we also have deep amounts of fun every week interacting with other race fans. And for those of you who might be in states like Washington, where you don't have a ton of people to go watch races with, this is a great way to find people to hang out with and to really enjoy the sport of NASCAR with like-minded people. And for me, I got to fulfill a lifelong bucket list dream of going to the Grand Prix with another Gluck patron who happened to have an extra ticket. So come on now, join the the cool kids so here's the deal everybody here at my house is we're pretty much all strangers like the only person i know here is valdez my wife and gluck so so as as we end this like here's to race fans everywhere here's to like being instant friends right and you know what uh you're always welcome here at my house right cheers yeah 
Well, cheers. I uh, hope you guys felt like you were part of that as well. I, I don't even really know where to begin to respond to all this. I, I'm obviously very humbled and appreciative. Um, I, I just don't really think that any of these words are doing it justice. I'm quite stunned about this, all this happening. I feel like this is a dream. They presented the check several hours ago now, but I'm still not really processing like a normal human. Um, but I just, if you're listening and you contributed to this in any way, um, I just really want to thank you. And I'm sure Sarah is going to be totally shocked when she finds out. I wish I could tell her about this, but as, um, Shannon mentioned, she's at work right now. So, um, anyway, we're now going to throw the podcast back in time to myself and Christopher DeHarty, uh, back at Portland. We're going to talk about the IndyCar race. I know this is a weird disjointed podcast (laughs) and, uh, I've, apologize if it's a weird listen but uh i'm not trying to be self-promotional or anything um anyway yeah it says we'll promote you for you yes yes they have um and that's very nice and i appreciate it but thank you to everybody um thanks for listening anyway back in time to the portland grand prix (laughs) all right everybody i'm sitting here at portland international raceway with christopher DeHarty. I said that right, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. You got that right. <laughs> he is from the Motorsports Tribune and IndyCar.com. And is it fair to describe you as an IndyCar savant, like as far as your knowledge? Uh, well, there's Donald Davidson is the ultimate, of course. I mean, he's the historian of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But You're I mean, being humble. You know everything. People no, have not, told me not. that you can recite all sorts of races and like your your knowledge is unmatched well weaver called me last year saying all the he had on video saying like a bunch of the indy 500 winners at a dinner with his girlfriend so it, I, I know a little bit here and there but we'll we'll take it as it comes i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say you know i don't know anything but i mean i've i've been enough of these races to know a little bit here and there but we saw a great race who today. won the 1971 indy 500 alan your senior okay <laughs> there you go folks no notes in front of me ladies no. and gentlemen <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. No, I, I've, I've heard that your knowledge is, is amazing. And so, um, Appreciate yeah, I wanted that. to have you on uh, this Portland Grand Prix. And, uh, wow, you know what? Uh, this was a crazy race. Um, I'm not sure that any would have, anyone would have predicted that uh, Takuma Sato would be standing over there while we're doing this. I think that he was probably mentioned by approximately zero people as a contender to win this race. Is that fair? Uh, that's very, very fair. Uh, the fat furthest back anybody had ever won this race from was 11th place back in 97 when uh, – DeFerrin lost to Blundell at the like three-wide shootout with uh, Bocell finishing third. Uh, Sato started 20th out of a 25-car field, and this track has just a couple of passing zones, and it can be really, really difficult to move through the field unless you have a really great pitch strategy like Sato did. Um, sometimes you have to take a little bit of an aggressive maneuver, a couple of gambles, sending it, and uh, Sato really did the job today with his team. And uh, it's kind of a feast or famine because, you know, Sato did very well. Graham Rayall was caught up in an early incident. Ed Jones caught up in an early incident. Dixon was as well, but he finished fifth. And it just proves that sometimes some, you need a lot of luck in racing, and Dixon had it today, really. Well, with apologies to Sato, uh, I really think that what's going to be the memory of, of this race is, is the Dixon comeback. I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely. You know, all, all week the drivers, you know, because there was testing here on Thursday and then regular action Friday, Saturday, and the drivers kept saying, ooh, you know, first lap, the start is going to be dicey when everybody's bunched up. And sure enough, they thought it was going to be turn one of the chicane. It was actually the end of the chicane where it got all bunched up. Uh, Marco Andretti went upside down over Hinchcliffe 
And as a part of that multi-car madness, Scott Dixon was right there in the middle of it, his in-car camera completely covered with dust. He says he sat there and he felt like he wanted to cry yep. when that happened. And, uh, you know, he figured his, when the dust would clear, he would see that his left front wheel was no longer there. However, he finished fifth in this race. What the hell? <laughs> he's he, he's basically IndyCar's version of Superman. If it's not him, it's Rossi. And if it's not Rossi, then it's Will Power. The three of them combined are probably some of the most talented racers driving in America today. And really, Scott Dixon showed that if you don't give up, you know, you're going to do a good job. Uh, let's face, he even said up there, though, luck had a lot to do with it. Uh, I'd say. He, what was, he, had a pit spot, he had a pit lane speeding penalty where he was clocked doing 50.2 miles an hour when the pit road speed limit is 50. Uh, he really did a good job today in charging up through the field. And it's, he, I think he now owns, I think, second place on the all, or third place on the all-time winning winner's list. Power is second on the all-time polls list now. The guys are just doing a tremendous job, and it, and what really struck me about this race is that it doesn't matter if you're a rookie, full-time series rookie like Zach Veach, or if you're a series champion in Indy 500 more like Will Power. Everyone is prone to mistakes. Everyone is prone to something going wrong, and quite frankly, that's what is a big charm about racing is that, hey, even though you're a fantastic champion, a great winner, you can still make mistakes and screw up, and quite frankly, that was awesome to see that you're pushing hard. You're trying to get every tenth out of it. In power, he had the issue with earlier with I think it was a first gear issue where he couldn't. Uh, he fell back like seven or eight different spots, and he was charging up hard and just pushed it too hard and overcooked it. Yeah, it, it was amazing to see the mistakes, and and you could kind of see that coming though because, like, they were having problems in testing and and the other part. And, and I guess there's there's very it's a very unforgiving track. There's very little runoff. When you do go off the track, it's been so dry here that you get into this dust and it just launches you. Uh, it's not like going off in the grass and you can kind of have a smooth smooth recovery or something. Um, and it's a very technical track, very high grip, and, and it's it, it punishes you. Um, so I guess it makes sense that cautions, the way cautions fell, influence this race. But um, I, I got to feel bad for Alexander Rossi. About halfway through the race, it looks like, wow, it's his day. Um, he was leading... And then even with Joseph Newgarden leading, it looks like Rossi's in control here because Dixon, as you mentioned, with the speeding penalty, um, it, you know, he, he's back in, you know, 21st at one point. Uh, he's, he's going through the field and he, he just, it looks like Rossi's going to have the championship lead going into Sonoma. And yet he ends up losing three points. Now Dixon goes into Sonoma with a three point or an extra three point lead and a 29 point lead overall. It's really interesting to see how much the championship can turn in, in one race. I mean, at one point, Rossi was leading the championship. Now Dixon's back, actually extended his lead. Unpredictability, well, the phrase that, I use, that I've heard used before is that the unexpected is commonplace. Uh, Paul Page said that numerous times when he covered IndyCar races back in the 80s on TV. And really today, it was a case of the unexpected being absolutely commonplace. You look at those sta the standings in the race earlier on. Jordan King driving a part-time ride with Ed Carpenter Racing was in the top five earlier on. Gabby Chavez in a, the first full season for Harding Racing was in the top ten earlier on. Jack Harvey was in the top ten. So was Zach Veach. Yet at the end of the race, the standings completely flipped over. And it, it, it's, it's so... To go through every single thing would take us three days. Yeah, right. But right. really, it's just a case of you know sometimes on the unpredictability of IndyCar is what makes it made this race so great. Uh, Hunter Ray having to drive to a fuel number later on in the race, he got out behind uh, Sato at, later on after the last round of pit stops. Uh, he couldn't do anything with him. 
yeah. it was just a shame that you know he couldn't. I really thought they were they were going to have a, a chance there. Like he looked like he was maybe catching them, and he just couldn't. He couldn't quite do it because they were in savings mode, I guess. And and um, but let me let me ask you this. So um, you know, this was obviously the first race back here at Portland in For eleven, uh, 11 years. years, and uh, you know, spectacular weather, huge crowd. What uh, you know, you're in the IndyCar community. What what did the IndyCar community, from the people you've been talking to, and your own impression, what did they think of this Portland race and this Portland weekend? Absolutely crazy amount of people showing up. I was I took a tweet at 8:20 this morning of the crowd coming in, and it was going as far back as the eye could see. Um, people were just all over the place in the paddock area. I was in the paddock, during, you know, before the race, just looking around. It was just crazy how many people there were there. It was jam packed. It was tight. I couldn't get a cell phone signal worth a darn and when you can't get a cell phone signal at a racetrack it's one of two things either there's a lot of people or the track didn't prepare for uh, having enough cell phone towers to help you out with signal and really that's what happened there i don't think the the track had enough cell phone sign, you know towers to, sh- to prepare for that many people they weren't expecting this many people i don't think and this shows that pacific northwest racing fans care and that they want a race here this was a great turnout, and it could not have been better. Um, racing is on the upswing, and this is, and also you think about the fact that work area in the country you're in, you know, loud, fast, badass cars coming around here. You know, when you have a lot of, you know, the, with all the stuff going on with about hybrid cars and things like that, and a lot more quieter cars, to see something like this is an oddity, and really. It was well done. It mm-hmm. was well done everywhere. And the fa- and fans were always having something to see on track. Whether you had the Mazda Road to Indy coming up. You had the Mazda MX-5 Cup cars earlier. You had air, you know, the two-seater rides at the end of the day. You had entertainment the whole way through. And the, with the Road to Indy paddock and the uh, MX-5 Cup paddock where they were, you didn't need a paddock pass to go see them. You could just walk up, talk to the drivers, talk to mechanics, talk to everybody. You had access, and yeah. that was what made this race weekend so great. Plus, having clear weather helped. We had maybe a few sprinkles in the middle of Friday. Other than that, clear the whole way through. No complaints whatsoever. Yeah, I really was impressed with the access, and um, I was I mean, it, it seemed like the paddock passes must have not been that hard to get or that, that expensive because, like you said, the paddock, which for those of you who um, are on the NASCAR side, the garage, essentially. <laughs> they don't have actual garages here, but where, where the haulers are, I mean, there was thousands of people literally in, in there today, and even the, the cars were having a hard time getting through when they were trying to go out to the grid and things like that. But um, The two most common phrases I heard were, excuse me, and coming through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that was impressive. Uh, I'm glad that you had uh, a positive impression because I, I feel like I'm biased because I live here in Portland. But, um, you know, it was like I've been waiting for this for a long time to see how it would go and was kind of uh, shocked at how many people were here. I'll, I'd be interested to see if they give us a final attendance number later. But Jeff, um, if I may, how long yep. did it take you to actually get here this on the race day morning? Well, I, I was paranoid that, you know, because they were, they were building up uh, – talk of a big crowd and you know traffic nightmares and stuff like that and it sounds like that's what happened because scott dixon said he almost missed the driver's meeting uh he said he was one minute away from being late for the driver's briefing this morning uh because he was stuck in traffic so i uh got here really early i got here like 7 30 a.m no traffic because the public gates weren't open until eight something right so i i beat the 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 crowd here that way but um yeah i mean i live about you know 10, 15 minutes away or something with no traffic. So um, I biked here to the track yesterday, took the light rail the first day. So it was it was a real treat having a, a home race. And uh, 
a very fun feeling. But I, I do before we go, I do want to give you a chance to talk about the Mazda Mazda Road to Indy because I know you have a real passion for that. And that is something where I'm not sure a lot of NASCAR driver or uh, uh, listeners would realize that. But there's basically, you know, it's the lower tier series of IndyCar, but they are there's scholarship money that comes with winning. So it's not just like okay, yeah, this guy won this championship, he gets money to go race in the upper series and you know and move up the ladder that way. Is that correct? Absolutely. So first of all, there is a scholarship to get into the Maserati Road to Indy. There's a scholarship shootout for two hundred thousand dollars to take to a USF 2000 team, the Cooper Tires USF 2000 championship powered by Mazda. Now, Which is, is what? Like the third lowest level? Yeah. So if, in baseball terms, it's like single A. Okay. Yeah. In terms of NASCAR terms, it's like K-N? Ar- uh, ARCA. ARCA? Because okay. you have... Um, Pro Mazda, which is like trucks, and then you have Xfin- the uh, Indy Lights cars, which is like Xfinity kind of okay. like. Gotcha. So to, there's a shootout to, for $200,000 to get to USF 2000, which actually, if you hear the background noise, they actually just started up to go for their last race of the weekend. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood won that, had that championship all sealed up back at Mid-Ohio back in late July. He's won the last 10 USF 2000 races in a row. He's won 11 out of the 13 this year. So he moves up? Yeah, he'll move up next year, um, and the prize money he gets is going to be a little over three hundred twenty-five thousand um, dollars. And that can run, that that's for him to run to, in, the, in Pro Mazda next take, year. Yeah, to take to the next series. Yes, to, to go to Pro Mazda. Um, so he's going to get that money, and you know he hasn't decided what team he's going to run with. But yeah, he's won the last ten US two thousand races, eleven out of thirteen so far this year, and he's won the last the last six F three Americas races, which is another ladder system altogether. He has not been defeated in a race since May eleventh. Are you serious? Wow, completely serious. Kyle Kirkwood. Kyle Kirkwood from Jupiter, Florida. Okay, uh, I'll have close, to watch him. So a close buddy of his, Oliver Askew, won this US two thousand championship last year. He took that money to go to Pro Mazda to run for Cape Motorsports. He didn't win the championship, but I think he finished third in the title hunt. Uh, that championship was won by a guy by the name of Renus van Kamthout. Uh, it's a Dutch driver. Uh, we call him Renus VK because it's all easier to say VK than van Kamthout. Uh, Dutch driver. He's won I think eight or nine races this year in Pro Mazda for Junkos Racing. Who also is in Indy Lights and also an Indy Car. Uh, Renus has done a fantastic job I'm, this I'll year. Let me interrupt because I'm impressed that you knew his name because I, he was at that press conference that I went to to start the weekend in Portland. And they were asking him how you say his name, and he said it's even difficult for Dutch people, <laughs> Dutch language speakers, to pronounce his last name. And you have apparently pronounced it. So he, everybody um, else calls him VK, right? Yeah. So he was actually at the very. So when the US 2000 car that they raced at. What, and the race was out in 2017 with the first year it came out he actually was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 2016 when they launched the car to announce that he was going to be competing in that championship in 2017 the US 2000 championship he finished second in that championship and moved up to Promaza this year and won the scholarship uh, which should be a little a little less than half a million dollars half a million dollars yes wow. well, a little less than half a million dollars to That's wait pretty nice no, take that back take that back it's not a half a million dollars it's actually more than that it's actually around 700 uh, $80,000 or so. I, I forgot how many, how much more they added to the scholarship over the last couple of seasons. But So he won that scholarship money to go to Indy Lights next year. Now, the Indy Lights championship was decided yesterday. Pato Award, Patricio Award. Uh, the I hear te- good things about him. Texas like big-time personality. Yes. So Patricio Award, he was second in the Pro Mazda title in 2016. Won like six out of the first seven races of that year, and he had a very limited budget. Uh, he loses the Pro Mazda championship. Last year, he runs in the IMSA weather uh 
sports car championship for in the prototype challenge class wins seven out of the eight races that they ran that year so an 87.5 percent win percentage so he goes on and does indy lights this year and runs with andretti autosport won i think eight races this year uh won the race today won the race yesterday and donned a humongous sombrero on the uh, podium there uh, he's going to be running an IndyCar next year. We just don't know with who, but he's going to get a million-dollar check to run an IndyCar next year. Wow. Uh, second place in the title was Colton Herta. Um, I think he's going to get a check for, like, what, $50,000 maybe? So it's a humongous drop-off. Right. Um, but, yeah, Colton Herta, Brian Herta's son, mm-hmm. uh, won a few races this year, did an amazing job. Uh, he didn't – He I think I forget where he finished in the race today, but he, he was – off the podium. Aaron Tewitz was second. He was the Promaza champion in 2016. And Santi Ruscia was third. He was a Promaza championship winner in 2015. Um, so I don't know how you keep all this in your head, man. Uh, it's amazing. It. It, well, the thing is, is that I, I, I saw those guys as they ran through the championships and how they won it. And really, Dude, it's about consistency. You saw these guys, but I've seen NASCAR races. I've been at NASCAR races this year, and I couldn't tell you, who, you even who won off the top of my head. They just My head can't hold this kind of stuff. So... Appreciate it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, you know, who won the 1953 Indianapolis 500? Bill <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. No notes anyway, in front of me, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I, I, <laughs> Jeff, if I may, I uh, do appreciate the fact that you took the time to be here because this race, in my opinion, was a pivotal race for the championship. We have only two races to go in IndyCar. It was a piv- the final weekend for the Road to Indy. T- over $2 million in scout and sponsor and uh winnings are going to be awarded tomorrow night at the road to indy banquet uh it's a good send off for mazda as well they announced that they were stopping their title sponsorship at the road to indy uh after this season so they're going to have one last hurrah tomorrow night and it's going to be great to see everybody there to celebrate the end of the 2018 championship and we're going to look forward to seeing them run in 2019 as well and as we still have another indycar race to go in sonoma in two weeks too Uh, it's going to be a wild weekend there as well i'm looking forward to that but i'm not going to be able to be there unfortunately well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I can tell you have a real passion for this, and uh, it's pretty cool to see someone who is, is starting to live their dream like you are. So that's pretty cool. Where can people follow you on Twitter? So on Twitter, I'm at, at C Dehardy, C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E. I appreciate the follows. Uh, I do IndyCar racing. I also cover sports car racing on occasion. Um, the Rolex 24 next year is going to be my next sports car race if I can make it work. The numbers work. Um, I went to that race this year, and it was amazing. Have you ever been to the Rolex 24? I haven't yet. You got. You need to go to that. I know. It's I know. Uh, late January, so if you get a chance to, Jeff, you need to go to that. It's a, It's amazing. It's an amazing time. Cool. Well, for the rest of you listening, uh, the next podcast will be a 12 questions interview with Daniel Suarez, and that is on Tuesday leading into a a critical week for him. And uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to both the first part of this podcast, which I haven't recorded yet as I'm talking to you, but you will have already heard if that makes sense. And this one from Portland as well. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.